Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hello, and, well, I was going to say good morning because it is for me, but God knows what time of day you're listening to this. (laughs) Uh, So today we are going to tackle a DBT skill called Wise Mind. Um, We decided to do this in one of our earlier episodes because it's a really foundational skill for a lot of DBT moving forward. A lot of different skills you'll actually hear referencing or asking, were you in your wise mind when you made that decision? And we figured if uh, we didn't have this recorded, no one would know what that even meant. Yeah, when we teach our groups, this is actually the first skill we teach in every single group that we do. It's it's really important to kind of kick it off with this skill to build from here with everything else. So, uh, what we're missing today is your ability to see us. Uh, Normally, (laughs) when we teach this, we have a big whiteboard behind us, and one of us plays Vanna White and writes all this down. So, I'm going to have to ask you to picture some stuff with us today. Um, Generally speaking, the image that we use to uh, demonstrate or teach wise mind is one of a big old Venn diagram, two large interlocking circles, where the one on the left, we'll say, is reasonable mind, the one on the right is emotion mind, and the overlapping space in the center is where you find your wise mind. So here in a minute or so, Michelle and I are going to go through some words of how we picture or describe or experience those various parts of ourselves, our emotion mind, reasonable mind, and wise mind. Um, And hopefully in your head, you can be writing those down in their appropriate side of the Venn diagram, since uh, we have yet to figure out how to make podcasts visual. I know. If only we could create that and revolutionize the whole (laughs) idea of what a podcast is. Of course, Um, maybe visual podcasts is just television. (laughs) Or YouTube videos. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the whole idea behind the Venn diagram which is why we use it as a visual to explain the skill of wise mind is because wise mind is really this bringing together of the emotional side of us and the reasonable side of us to meet in the middle and find a place where we're balanced with both of those different sides. So like Kate said, we're going to talk about each one, but then we're going to talk about what this wise mind thing is actually in the middle of those two circles too. I really think, yeah, I like what you're talking about, Michelle, with the fact that it's meant to recognize that a wise mind is a combination, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about going to a separate place that's neither emotion mind or reasonable mind. It really is about the combining of the best of both worlds. Yeah, definitely. So with emotion mind, um, Kate and I are just going to go back and forth and talk about some words that could describe what that emotional side of our brain can look like or feel like. Um, And as we're going through with these different words, like pick and choose which ones fit for you when it feels like you're in an emotional state of mind. It's going to look different for everybody. Um, So these are just kind of some common ways that it can look 
look, but it can really vary with how everyone feels when they're in their emotion mind. And I also, I mean, I'm sure this will become clear with some of the words that I share. I do like to point out, I think emotion mind gets a bad rap. So sometimes I like to point out that emotions can be pleasant. (laughs) It can be a good thing um, to have, you know, to have some emotion mind in there. Because I think our whole culture really skews towards valuing more reasonable or rational sides of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like to point out that there's goods to both. Yeah. Um, So I guess to start off the conversation with different words that could be used to describe emotion mind, um, I'll start off with saying, like, impulsive. Um, There tends to just be kind of this reacting rather than thinking things through before we do something. I think passionate. Hmm. Um, And this can be, you know, everything from passionately in love to passionately angry, (laughs) but something where you feel really emboldened um, Mm -hmm. and a real drive towards or about something. Yeah. Um, I would also say emotion mind, like one of the ways that it's described commonly in the DBT curriculum, I think is like hot. So kind of, yeah, that idea of passionate, um, it's, it's high energy when yes. we're in our emotion mind a lot of the time. And you're not generally in your emotion mind and slothy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yep, this is true. Um, I would say for me also like a sense of sometimes being overwrought, um, overwhelmed, right? Just sort of swamped with whatever emotion that you're feeling um, is a pretty common experience. Like there's not room for anything else in you. You're just overwhelmed by whatever it is that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would also maybe add on there um, like fluctuating. Like sometimes when we're in our emotion mind, we can go back and forth or feel like we're going up and down with how emotions tend to come Mercurial. and go. <laughs> you might have to define that for the math. Kate. Kate's, Kate's like a word person. <laughs> no, you don't, you just defined it. That's exactly oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you just laid out the definition perfectly of mercurial, which is just, yeah, fluctuating, unpredictable, mm-hmm. um, up and down, a lot of swift and um, necessar- not necessarily predictable change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And I would say, like, one of the things that Kate and I were talking about, like, before we started recording the podcast today is how Emotion Mind looks for each of us when we find ourselves, like, in that state of thinking where our emotions are ruling the roost more than maybe the reasonable part of our brain. Um, And I think for me, like, when I'm in my Emotion Mind, it's not necessarily this, like, and I think we sort of touched on this just a moment ago, like emotion mind doesn't necessarily look like anger or yelling or being really, really, really upset. I think sometimes people think of emotion mind as being like really big and expressive and it doesn't always have to look that way. Um, I feel like for me, when I'm in my emotion mind, it's like, <laughs> it feels very like fun and enjoyable. I'm just not always thinking things through before I'm making decisions. <laughs> like, you know, if let's say I see like a cute puppy online for sale or something or that needs to be adopted, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. I just want it. And that's me and my emotion mind not thinking through, okay, I don't have a fenced in yard. (laughs) Do I really have the time and energy to take care of a dog? Like for me, it's just kind of like I see something that feels really positive and I just want that thing. And that's kind of how I know I'm in my emotion mind is when um, something's kind of drawing my attention and it makes me feel good and then I just want to go after it. Um, I'd say for me, it's kind of funny. I, I am probably more expressive and loud and obvious about my emotion mind when it's positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's 
you know, we'll get to this later, but I don't like using the term negative for emotion. But when it's unpleasant, um, when I'm sad, when I'm angry, when I'm hurt um, or anxious, when it's sort of those kinds of emotions that I'm being overwhelmed by, I tend to actually get very quiet. Um, I sort of... Um, while well, on the inside it's all full of turmoil and these huge emotional experiences on the outside I might actually look almost kind of not literally shrunken but you know kind of caved in and small and quiet so um, of course then again I think we've all had in our lives or in the lives of someone we know someone who is that sort of quintessential I don't know yells at everything you know screams when angry over the top throws <laughs> things yeah. you know stuff that looks almost like a tantrum right so it, it really is going to be unique to each person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before we get to the reasonable part of ourselves, and as we talk about each of these sides that make up wise mind, I think it's, yeah, important to acknowledge that um, you may know someone who tends to hang out more often in one or the other of these. I think just in general, most people tend to have one side or the other that they spend more time in, um, but that it may not always be obvious, like which side someone is on it just kind of varies with what it looks like um and how it's going to look for for you um but yeah i think that's important to point out is like yeah sometimes when we think of emotion mind that's what we think of is like yeah that that loud person who just is kind of always saying what's on their mind and just acting on whatever emotion they're mm -hmm. feeling in the moment as kind of a stereotypical way to think about it yeah um so moving into our reasonable mind um, <laughs> I used to say in group that reasonable mind was like Spock, but then <laughs> but you're wrong. But it's I'm like wrong. Data. It's like data. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, a fictional character example of reasonable mind. Should I really think of it? Yeah. As cold or calculating, um, and yeah, maybe on the positive side, more considered, mm -hmm. um, or, um, deliberate. Yeah. Someone who I think um, is very analytical, mm -hmm. really thinks things through, sees the different sides of things before making a decision, but sometimes almost analytical to the point where they're paralyzed <laughs> with trying to think things through before they actually take action, and it can get in the way of them actually just living, I guess, mm -hmm. in a more free-spirited kind of way because they're in their heads so much. A lack of spontaneity yeah. or um, mm -hmm. just, yeah, that sort of free enjoyment of things. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think it can have a lot of, like, criticism or critique, especially of people who are in their emotion mind. Mm -hmm. Not always, but you do end up, if you have two people on opposite sides of this, sometimes you can get a lot of butting heads. Um, if someone's like, you know, you don't think, and the other person's like, you're cold and unfeeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, can, that can lead to some conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, if you're in your reasonable mind to a large degree. To it's a detriment, sort of. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, it's you're just going to be in this place of logic all the time to where it does get in the way of you actually feeling and noticing what your emotions are, which is why I think using the word cold, like you did, Kate, makes a lot of sense because someone who's really, really, really entrenched in their reasonable mind is not going to be expressing or showing much emotion. And they may not be aware of their own emotions, but also I think that's the thing where it comes across as 
unaware of the emotions of other people or uncaring mm-hmm. uh, is that. Though, I mean, to backtrack just slightly, if someone's so wrapped up in their own emotions, too, that can make them not notice the emotions of those around them or yeah. be uncaring, too. So, you know, a lot of these things can end up in the same place, but from different routes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so in terms of how reasonable mine looks, I mean, Kate and I, again, like before we started recording, we both acknowledge that we feel like for ourselves, we both hang out a little more often in the emotion mind. Or a lot more often. Speak <laughs> for yourself, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think I said a little, you said a lot. Um, but, you know, again, everyone has these two different sides of the way that we can think and view the world. And so even if you don't spend as much time in one, you've still been there a time or two. (laughs) I was thinking that probably for each of us, different situations bring out one side more Mm -hmm. than the other. Um, This may not be true for everyone, but especially in certain workplaces, I tend to be more on the reasonable mind side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, when I'm taking care of another creature of some sort, be it a pet or a child or something, I tend to be a little bit more reasonable because I'm thinking about, all right, we have to make sure they're fed and make sure they're, you know, housey. I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. about things a lot more um, than I might for it's just myself and then I might be a little bit more, wee! Yeah. (laughs) Fly by the seat of my pants. Yeah. I think for me, like, because I can be pretty type A, schedule-oriented, busy. Kate, like, scoffed at me. (laughs) She knows this about me. Um, For me, I think where I can really get into my reasonable mind is when it comes to scheduling. I can just view, okay, these are the things on my to-do list today. I want to get them done. How can I sort of fit all the different pieces of this puzzle together into what my day is going to look like? And then sometimes I'm being so much in my reasonable mind about it that I don't actually pause to think about how it's going to feel to make myself that busy. (laughs) And I'm not bringing in my emotion mind to help me make a wise mind decision about how my day is going to look. I can just get very structured. And that's sort of for me how my reasonable mind shows up when I'm in that state of thinking. Speaking about bringing them together, that sounds like a lead into what is wise mind. Let's do it. Um, So, yeah, with wise mind, I really feel, I feel like I could come up with so many words to describe wise mind, but I think my number one go-to word is balanced. Yeah, I think centered Mm -hmm. or grounded are big ones for me. Yeah. That's just that sense of being, man, I don't know, that's so sad. But, like, when you just exhale, Mm. And you just feel like you're present. So I guess that's another word for me about wise mind is just if you're present and you're centered and you stole the best word, obviously, which is balanced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love balance. Um, I also think of thoughtful um, and just being able to like pause before we do something. I think sometimes when we're too much in emotion mind, we don't pause at all. And sometimes when we're too much in reasonable mind, we pause too much. (laughs) But being able to just be thoughtful for a moment and not take too much time to think about things, but not take too little time either to just, you know, yeah, take a moment to... So like just pause almost. Yeah. Yeah, pause. I think that would fit. I think if there's any other, I know, I feel like there's a lot, but also, I don't know, too many words start sounding like synonyms. Yeah, like, I also, <laughs> I also tend to think of, like, calm and peaceful being words associated mm. with my, with my mind, but I feel like that also is going to really be individual depending on someone's personality. For some people, when you're in your wise mind, you might look very, like, calm and still and, um, yeah, very serene or peaceful, Ooh, but serene. for other people, it, it might not look like that Mm -hmm. um but those might be some words that 
apply as well um, for how wise mind can look for some people. Can I geek out on another big geeky word? Sure, do it. Quiescent. Okay, define it. <laughs> <laughs> it is like that, like like calm, serene. Like, if you think about, like, a still pond or something mm. in the quiet morning, that would be a very quiescent kind of mm-hmm. morning. Like, just mm. quiet and... I mean, also, so, like, it's similar based to, like, acquiesce. So a little bit about, like, not giving in, but surrender a little bit, but not in, like, a weak way, right? Yeah. If that makes sense. So, yeah, anyway, well, it's a word I like a lot. Yeah, and to build off that, I, I feel like maybe another word that could work for wise mind is um, acceptance. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of times I think when we're too much in our emotion mind or our reasonable mind, there are things that we're not looking at or things that we want to ignore or push away but when we're in a wise mind place we're really able to accept um, all the all, all everything about the situation yeah. yeah and see it in maybe a more I guess like pulled back like wide eye view instead of honing in on one piece of it so I just briefly like to too. acknowledge how much we gesture oh yeah we're gesturing a lot as we're talking you guys can't see <laughs> just how we are um so yeah I mean in terms of knowing that you're in your wise mind this again is going to be really different for each person so I'm going to talk about like how I know I'm in my wise mind Kate you can share a little bit too of what your wise mind looks like when you know you're in it um but then I'll talk about maybe a couple different ideas or suggestions of how to find your wise mind place because normally when we talk about this topic as we're going through with our visual Venn diagram with all (laughs) these different words um, and suggestions we get from our DBT participants of how they would define each of these two sides so to speak and how they would define wise mind then the follow-up question typically is okay that's cool I get what this is a little bit now, how do I get do it, there. so to speak? Yeah, how do yeah. I get there? <laughs> how do I get into my wise mind and get to that place? So for me, I know that I'm in my wise mind when, I mean, I think it is, and it's so hard to, I guess, like put into words and really yep. explain because it's kind of this intangible thing that, again, is going to look different for each person. But for myself, I really do feel like I am in my wise mind when I am able to pause And when I feel like I'm genuinely in touch with what my emotions are as I'm going through my day. Like for me, I have a tendency, as I mentioned a little bit ago, I can be very type A, I can get very busy. And I'm not in my wise mind if I'm just going, going, going throughout my day. But if I'm able to actually slow down at certain points, pause before I do something, check in with myself about how it feels and notice where I'm at emotionally and kind of check in during the day. Like that's kind of, I feel like, what a wise mind place looks like for me. Um, Just because it's bringing in like that reasonable side that I talked about, which for me looks like I'm scheduling myself, (laughs) but then bringing in my emotion mind as well with being able to notice how it feels (laughs) as I'm doing these things. And also when I'm able and willing to course correct, 
that for me also shows mm. that I'm in my wise mind if I'm able to be flexible. Yeah. Oh, that's another good word for wise mind. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because sometimes I I know that I have a tendency, and this is probably my reasonable mind taking over, where I just get kind of rigid. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the way I scheduled it out. This is just how I'm going to do things. And I know I'm in my wise mind if I'm like, hold on. <laughs> like, this maybe isn't feeling the way that I wanted it to. I actually want to change direction and do something different. That's me being in my wise mind. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that actually either both emotion mind and reasonable mind can get rigid mm-hmm. in a sense. And so I think contrasting that with flexible for wise mind is a really good thing. Um, yeah, I've been, as you were talking, I was thinking just how incredibly difficult it is to try and, yeah, put it into words. Because for me, it's like that. I don't know, that moment when you exhale and you just, there's just that sense of correctness or certainty. Mm. Like, I feel like if I'm coming from too much either reasonable mind or emotion mind, there's a sense of, like, being uncertain or unstable, like, or or rigid, right? And if I get to a wise mind place, it's like, (sighs) okay, right? And sometimes the wise mind decision isn't something I, you know, quote unquote, want, to do (laughs) but it's when I know that I've made the like there's just a sense of rightness right of just Mm -hmm. correctness to whatever decision I've come to um or whatever place I'm in that maybe it's more of what I want (laughs) you know if I'm like making a wise mind decision like to give myself more self-care or to be you know less rigid about my scheduling or stuff like Michelle was talking about and sometimes maybe it's something that's terrifying and awful like I don't know I can remember a couple times in my past Definitely having to come to a wise mind place about, like, ending a relationship, um, which didn't, wasn't exciting, didn't feel good, but it just felt correct mm. once I got mm-hmm. to the moment of, like, actually, this is what has to happen. Yeah. Um, and the, just that, that sense of, of acceptance um, and, and certainty for me is what it looks like. Yeah, and you, like, visibly, like, exhaled as you were talking about <laughs> what yeah. it feels like to be in your wise mind. And I think that's appropriate because there can be this sense of when you when you just know something yep. or when something kind of settles within you. And like Kate said, where it just feels correct of, like, <sighs> you know, like, this exhale, this release, this sense of relief, maybe, that, like, you found the rightness. Yeah, the, the correct course, even if it's not an yeah. easy one or a pleasant one. Mm-hmm. you know that you're making the right decision for your life, for yeah. yourself. Yeah, totally. Um, so in terms of how to get into your wise mind, um, I've been getting trained in this, um, I guess you could call it this technique, but like it's so much more than that. Um, it's called focusing oriented therapy, and it was developed by this guy named Gene Genlin um, back in like, I want to say like the 60s though don't quote me on that I could be getting the dates wrong but it's all about this idea of being able to really check in with our bodies and believing that our bodies have more information to give us than we know about kind of that idea that we were just talking about about what's going to feel correct or what's going to be the right course of action for maybe something that we're struggling with or feeling stuck about And really just to give kind of a brief rundown um, of some things you can do to really bring your body into this idea of wise mind. I mean, we say wise mind and I instantly think about like the brain and the head, Mm -hmm. but really, you know, neurologically, our bodies are so affected. You know, the mind-body connection is huge. And so one way that you can really try to get into your wise mind is if you're able to ideally to take a moment 
to pause, close your eyes if you can, and just notice if there's any kind of physical sensations that you're feeling in your body, like especially in your core area, like starting in your stomach all the way up to like your throat, and just seeing if there's anything in that area of your body, because that's where we feel a lot of emotions, I guess you could say, in like a physiological way. Mm-hmm. Um, and just be able to notice if there's any kind of feelings there, and whether it's like, oh, my stomach feels like it's in knots, or like, oh, I feel like a heaviness in my chest, or a tightness in my throat, or whatever it is. And just being able to take a moment to kind of just pause and just notice that physical sensation. Um, One of the things that Kate and I, I think, are big advocates of, because it's part of mindful self-compassion work, is to just put, like, a hand Mm -hmm. on that part of your body where you notice it um, and just to see what that does. But if you're able to just spend a few quiet moments just noticing what's taking place in your body, you may be surprised how that shifts or what kinds of messages or new information or thoughts you might get as you just pay attention of like, okay, I feel this knot in my stomach. And what happens if I just sit with it for a minute? Like what what comes up for me? What do I notice? It is a way to, as we talked about, you know, wise mind can look like being still and calm and it's it's a nice way to do that. Um, And the other thing that is a question that's commonly asked in focusing-oriented therapy is asking yourself, what's between me and being perfectly okay? Mm, I like that question. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, it's something new that I learned because I just started going through these trainings recently about what focusing-oriented therapy is and how to practice it. Um, But if if you can pause and just ask yourself that question, what's between me and being perfectly okay, and just see what comes to you, that answer is likely a wise mind answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some things that you can do pretty um, easily. Just taking a couple minutes, again, pausing is really important. And just maybe noticing like yourself or your situation in a way that you might not typically think about it or notice it. I think another thing that you've talked about in the past and kind of feeds into what we're wanting to tell people to try and do based on today's stuff was like thinking about a time in the past when you're pretty sure you made a wise mind decision, Mm -hmm. you know, going back and thinking about, all right, what are some of the best decisions I've made in my life? And can I remember what it felt like when I came to that conclusion, when I came to that decision? Um, and, and kind of bringing that to mind and seeing, all right, how, do I, do I feel like that now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, when it comes to this decision, am I, you know, am I, do I, do I have that same sense that I did when I made, you know, that other decision in the past that was really right for me? And kind of try and remember what it was like to, to bring that up and to, to make that decision, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing you can also try to, as a way to get into your wise mind, if, you know, and we're going to walk you through with the closing moment today that Kate's going to lead, like how you can maybe recall a time like that or get in touch with that for you. Another way to think of it is if you know somebody in your life, either past or present, somebody alive or who has died, but somebody who you once had a relationship with that as we were going through these wise mind words today, when you think about that idea of what wise mind means or what it looks like for you, you know, maybe you know somebody who really like embodied those qualities, I guess is one way to put it. And if you can imagine yourself also like maybe like having a conversation with them Mm -hmm. and taking in what 
feedback or advice or guidance like they might have to give you, that's another way to sort of access your wise mind in a sense because, of course, they're not actually there telling you those words. (laughs) But it's kind of... um, I don't know. I'm trying say to a say a hack. Word. Yeah, it's like a hack. <laughs> <laughs> to get around your own sense of uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and that can be like a good starting place of just kind of letting them, in a way, inspire some new fresh ideas that maybe might take longer or be more difficult to come to on your own in terms of like, okay, I'm struggling with this situation. How can I make a wise mind choice around it? Oh, well, this person tends to make wise mind choices in their life. Well, what might they do? And would that feel right for me if I tried to maybe take in some of their mm-hmm. their wisdom or who they are or that mm-hmm. kind of a thing? So, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I think that about wraps up most of the teaching for today's episode. Um, so we wanted to leave you with some ideas of ways you might practice this moving forward, put it into action a little bit for yourself. Uh, so the first thing is just try and think back and remember a time that you've made a a rise mind. (laughs) Well spoken. A wise mind decision. Um, And and yeah, just think back through your life. Right, What are some good decisions that I've made? What were some times where I really balanced the practical while also taking care of my emotional self? And just spend some time recollecting, you know, recognizing that this skill isn't so far out of reach as you might think because you have pretty much certainly done it before. Mm -hmm. Um, You just didn't have the vocabulary at the time to recognize it. So take some time and remember. Yeah. And the follow-up to that as another way that you can practice this this week is that we would encourage you to make an intentional wise mind choice. So actively trying to get into your wise mind and make a balanced decision about something in your life. This does not have to be anything major, (laughs) to be clear on that. This can be like, I don't know, maybe even trying to eat a little bit healthier and then you're deciding what to have for lunch and maybe your gut reaction is like, oh, I'm just gonna go get fast food. But maybe you pause, you're like, wait, hold on. How can I make a wise mind decision here? Maybe I will, you know, go to the store and get something healthier instead or whatever it may be. Um, So just noticing and trying to make a wise mind choice at least once during the week with something in your life and just, again, like seeing how that feels to try to pause and get into a more balanced way of making a decision around something. Also, we have a pretty exciting announcement. After last episode, I convinced Kate to officially let us make a Facebook group for the podcast. So all you have to do is go on Facebook and search DBT and Me Podcast, and you should be able to find us pretty easily. And yeah, join the Facebook group that we now got going. Basically, during the week, we'll make some posts to remind you to do your homework, give some additional information that might be helpful about learning the skills and also on the Facebook page we put links to a bunch of other stuff like our Patreon page and our website so you can go on and learn more about us so yeah go on join the group check it out nice all right so I think we're about ready to do the closing moment um if you're driving I don't know don't do this (laughs) I feel like we're gonna wind up saying that every week I know I'm just terrified Do not operate heavy machinery while, while while closing your eyes and doing a closing moment. Um, but uh, if you're in a place where you're able to, I would invite you to. 
take a moment and yeah, the, the chair is just going to squeak. The chair is going to squeak. It's just going to squeak. Get comfy. Okay. Make the chair squeak. <laughs> there it goes. We're in office chairs and I don't think a non-squeaky office chair is a thing that exists in the world. Nope. Um, so take a second. Get into a comfy position. If you're in a place where you're comfortable doing so, I invite you to close your eyes. If you're uncomfortable having your eyes closed for any reason, just find a place to rest your gaze. Kind of let your eyes go out of focus so you're not taking in a lot of information through your sight. And to begin with, just notice your breathing. You don't have to breathe any more deeply or any more slowly than you do naturally. This is just a moment of tuning in. Just checking out where do you feel your breath the most. Noticing the difference in the temperature of air as you inhale and when you exhale. It's just about letting your breath welcome you into your body right now. Letting it welcome you into the moment. Now in your mind's eye, I'd like you to bring up an image of a person who for you embodies wisdom. This could be someone real or a fictional character or just an iconic image. If it feels more comfortable or correct to you, this could even be an animal or a totem. Whatever it is that to you feels the most like it embodies a sense of wisdom, of balance, of centeredness, patience. And try and really let this figure build in your mind's eye so you can see it in as much detail as possible standing before you. And when you have this figure firmly in your mind, I'm going to ask you to take a moment to ask it a question. Start small, something that's bothering you a little bit in your life, something about which you feel uncertain. Nothing huge, nothing with monumental weight or consequences to it, but something that you've been struggling with nonetheless. And ask this figure, what does it think you could do in this situation? How does it think you could answer this question the best? And just take a moment to let the answer come from this figure of wisdom. If possible, try not to judge whatever answer comes forward, but take it at face value. It's not an order or a command, but a suggestion, an idea, a direction in which to look. See what it feels like to hear that answer coming from that figure of wisdom. Do you find yourself relaxing? Do you find yourself resisting? No wrong answers, just something worth noticing and tuning into. 
So give yourself that moment both to receive whatever this figure has to say about the situation that's bothering you and also to sit in whatever reaction you have to whatever is said. You might notice where in your body you feel this response and see what that might mean to you as well. And now slowly but surely, you can allow the figure to fade from your mind's eye with the knowledge that you can bring this same figure to mind anytime you need to, to ask it a question, to seek guidance or inspiration. But for now, we're gonna let it slip back away into the darkness of our mind. And we're gonna tune back into our breath, come back into our bodies. We might roll our heads or our shoulders or wrists or ankles to slowly come out of the space of imagination and back into our bodies and into the room. And when you feel ready, you can open your eyes. Thanks so much for joining us for another podcast. All right. We'll see you guys next time.